All right, Mark chapter number 11, and we're going to start down verse number 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry, he referring to Jesus. And seeing a fig tree afar, afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might have find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time the fig was not yet. And Jesus answered, uh, Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And drop down verse number 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, Thank you for another time we have to be in your house. And Lord, I pray as we come, our hearts would be focused upon you. I know we live busy lives, and there's probably things already in our mind that we'll do after this service and maybe this afternoon. But Lord, I pray you calm our hearts, and Lord, we'd focus upon you for this time. And Lord, help us to be producing fruit for you and showing others your great love. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. And this portion of Scripture, uh, we see that Jesus is beginning his last week of earthly ministry here. It's amazing that Jesus packed so much into this seven-day period. He accomplished uh, so much. He didn't, use, he didn't waste a minute. Everything was maximized right to the hilt. And in this message, we're looking at the events that occurred early in the Lord's Passion Week. And this event was designed to teach us about the judgment of Israel, that uh, judgment of God upon the nation of Israel. They had rejected Messiah, and, and they were going to pay a price. It's going to be a terrible price. And, and folks, I want to pause for a moment here. Uh, though Israel paid the price uh, for rejecting God, God is not done yet with Israel. Uh, he's not done. Uh, we need to pray for Israel. We need to pay, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's written, written God's word. Uh, it's very disappointing, very disturbing to see the anti-Semitic activity spiking all around the world. It's sad. It's disappointing. It's disturbing. It's not what should be happening. And, and if you uh, hear any Christian leaders saying that God is done with Israel uh, and that the church is now Israel, folks, they are wrong. Okay, God has a plan. And if you don't know about the plan, read Revelation, okay? And you'll see what God's plan is for Israel. And, and uh, we, we need to turn away from those. We need to turn our ears away. Uh, and, and any leaders who would tell you that the Holocaust is not wasn't as bad or didn't happen, you need to just shut them off, okay? Because they're liars. Okay, it happened, it's done, it's sad, and we need, if anything, our church needs to be uh, a church that loves the Jewish people more than any other church, amen? And we need to be reaching them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like we need to reach every Gentile with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just very disturbing. I had to put that in because I've just been seeing so many things and different media sites and things, and uh, hey, God's not done. God's not done with Israel. And while this text primarily speaks to Israel, there's a, there's a word of warning for us this morning. Uh, we need to watch for it. The Lord wants us to know that we need to be, He's examining, He wants us to know that He's examining our lives. So, uh, this 
you know, with my headaches and things, you know, I, I went to the doctor and uh, he checked me out. And I, I love that he said this. He looked at me and took my blood pressure and looked me over and goes, well, you look normal. I walked out of there feeling like, awesome, I'm normal, you know. Uh, so the reality is, Jesus is looking at us. Uh, and, you know, I might be able to, to fake something out with the doctor, but I'm not faking anything with Jesus Christ. And you're not either. He's looking for us. Uh, he's looking over us. And he wants us to know that we are uh, genuinely uh, uh, bringing forth fruit, spiritual fruit in our lives. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants to bless us. He wants us to be a blessing to others. But when he, does, when he doesn't find it, there's a price to pay. He wants us to be serving. Verse 12, we see the Lord's desire. And on the morning when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. As Jesus and men were traveling from Bethany back into Jerusalem, uh, the Lord becomes hungry. Uh, this is a great truth to just to remember once again uh, that the Lord felt what we feel, okay? Sometimes we can think the Lord doesn't understand me. Uh, he, he, uh, he doesn't understand my problems. Listen, He walked in the flesh just like we are today. If anything, that should encourage us because our Savior knows what we face, amen? He's there. He understands. And when Jesus wrote in Jerusalem in Mark chapter 11, the earlier part of the verse, he, the Bible says that the Lord had need of a donkey. And that's amazing to me that the Lord, the creator of the universe, would have need of anything. He doesn't need anything, but he was using the donkey because of his flesh. He couldn't do it on his own. Yet when Jesus was born in this world, he lay aside his heavenly glory for a time. To live as a man. And the one who made all things became dependent upon the things that he made. Think about that for a second. He made all things, and now he's dependent upon the things he made. The paradox of the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ is summed up in 2 Corinthians 8 9. For uh, ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was yet uh, rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that through his poverty we might be rich. The Creator becomes a helpless infant, dependent on a mother for everything. He fashions everything out of nothing, yet He had to borrow a boat to preach the Gospel from. He created every tree and He died upon a bo- and died on a borrowed cross. And, you know, He created this earth and He was laid in a borrowed tomb. I mean, it, it's just so many things that show evidence of His humanity. He experienced hunger. He experienced thirst. Weariness. He experienced pain, Matthew chapter 27, 35. He experienced rejection. He, 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 he experienced being, you know, totally withdrawn from everybody else, loneliness. He faced betrayal. All those things, and all those things are just not physical, right? They're emotional. Betrayal is very emotional. Now, loneliness is very emotional. Rejection is emotional. He faced all those things. There's more that we could say about his human experience, but we need to remember that he endured it all so that he might identify with us this morning. So you sit in the pew here this morning at Mississauga International Baptist Church, and you say, well, I don't know if anybody knows how I feel. Jesus does. Jesus does. And he cares. And he loves you. And He did everything uh, that He could. Uh, and He loves you so much that He gave His life for you. For it made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that He might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That we might be made. He did it for us. 
It's amazing. Praise God. Amen. For amazing Savior and a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. So we see the Lord's desire. He, so we see his, his flesh, right? He's hungry. And we see the Lord's disappointment. And seeing a, a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if heavily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. So Jesus is hungry. He sees a fig tree far off. Uh, the tree is in full leaf. And uh, so Jesus is hoping to find some figs to eat on that tree. And when he comes to it, there's nothing but leaves. That's all there's there. And then the text tells us that the time of the figs was not yet. In order to understand what's here, we need to examine it a little bit more. Uh, and I did a lot of research this week about fig trees because I have no knowledge of fig trees, okay? Uh, fig trees are, were and very common in Israel, uh, in the Middle East. The, the common fig, which is mentioned over 60 times in the Bible. So it's a very prominent tree that's mentioned in the Bible uh, it, numerous times. Uh, first time it's mentioned in Genesis 3.7. And that's when Adam and Eve used its broad leaves to make aprons to cover themselves after they had sinned. Figs are a vital part of the uh, Middle Eastern diet. It was uh, sweet to the taste, Jude chapter 9. Uh, the first uh, ripe figs were especially valued. That's in Jeremiah 24. Uh, the fig trees were valued for their shade. Uh, I saw some pictures this week as I was studying. Man, they got... Some serious shade from those big fig trees, okay? It's significant. Uh, and it was a place for a shade. Uh, God would use fig, uh, good figs, sorry, were used as pictures of obedient believers, good figs, whereas rotten ones were used to picture wicked men in Jeremiah 24 as well. Fig trees were used by the Old Testament prophets as a sign of judgment. There's numerous passages in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Joel, and Micah talking about that situation. So there's a brief sample of what the Bible says about the fig tree. So like I said earlier, I don't know anything about fig trees. I'm pretty sure there's none that grow in Newfoundland. Okay, uh, And uh, you know, we're, we're, we really have a knack for growing rocks in Newfoundland. But not fig trees. Now, we do have a few trees, and it's birch, fir, and spruce, but we don't look at them for fruit. We look at them for providing heat for the winter. So well, I had to really change gears here and figure out, what's this fig tree all about? So I looked it up, and I'm going to tell you, it's a tree. All right? it's, it's not a bush. It's a tree. I mean, uh, it could grow to a height of between 20 and 30 feet. That's pretty tall. Especially where I'm from, Newfoundland, that's a big tree, okay? And uh, the trunk was could be between two or so. It could even be bigger than two feet round. And the, the spread of the, the tree branches could be another 20, up to 25 feet out. So that it's a really nice natural air conditioner, right? Get underneath that shade and feel a whole lot better. You know, that it was a big tree. And, and again, I'm not really versed in this area of fig trees, but I'm told that uh, fig trees can grow even if the soil is not really great. It doesn't have to be a real high uh, rate of nutrition in the soil for it. It apparently has a very good root system. It, can, it just spreads out and it can do a real good job there. And apparently it can have two crops a season. Now, one is better than the other, uh, but it can have two. And fig trees in Israel usually set fruit before they develop their leaves. So it's a little different than what I'm used to. I'm used to seeing a, some sort of flower 
then the fruit comes, right? With the fig trees in Israel, from what I'm told, the research I did, uh, it, it develops before the leaf does. So I'm like, wow, that's different. Okay, uh, so a little different than the fruit bearing that I'm thinking about that I'm used to growing up and things. And, uh, so just to give you some background, since the fruit tree grows, uh, uh, sorry, since the fruit grows as the tree produces its leaves, it's reasonable for Jesus to assume that there'd be fruit on that tree when he showed up. Because there's leaves on it. Yet when he searched the tree, he found just leaves. There was no fruit to be found. The tree... The fig, uh, the fig tree was deceptive, wasn't it? Now, I'm not saying it purposely did it, but it was being deceptive. Because its leaves promised something, but the tree did not deliver. Because if we were walking with that day with Jesus, and we saw that fig tree, we were like, oh, that's got leaves, it's good to go, let's go, let's get a snack. Let's go kids, I'll throw you up on the top uh, branch to get the best figs. No. There was no food here. There was no fruit. And it was nothing wrong with the soil, right? It wasn't a situation that was in a bad place and it could hardly grow. No, the soil was fine. Uh, there was nothing actually wrong with the tree. There was simply no fruit. No fruit. It had been given everything. This, this tree had everything it needed to flourish. It apparently sat in a good location. It grew. It had leaves. It enjoyed the sunshine. It enjoyed the rain. But it was not fruitful. A fig tree in full leaf in April should have been covered with early fruit. And since this tree had no early fruit, there was a sign there's no sweet fruit coming later. That, that those two, they had that two seasons with the figs. This tree had nothing to offer. So if it was on your property, had nothing to offer besides some shade, but you really need figs, you cut it down, you burn it. It's useless. This tree was fit for nothing but to cut down and burn. Now, when we, we consider this text, we need to understand about Mark chapter 1, or sorry, Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. I preached this portion of scripture back in Easter because this is when Jesus presents himself to Jerusalem as the king. Remember the Palm Sunday? You know, that, that's what that verses 1 to 11 is about. So, uh, Jesus has presented himself to Jerusalem as their king. He had publicly declared his, his identity, and Israel would not too long not too many hours later, would totally reject him as their king. Israel was just like this fruitless fig tree. They had all the signs of spiritual life, but they had no fruit. They were keeping the letter of the law. They were keeping or carrying out the temple ceremonies. They were observing the ancient feasts and the sacrifices. They were religious in every detail. They were religious. In every detail, they were religious. But they had no spiritual fruit. No spiritual fruit. Israel promised all who saw her that she should, would uh, show them the way to God. In reality, she could only show them a religious bondage. That's all she could show. Israel had gone to leave. She had no fruit. Israel looked alive, but she was spiritually barren. Israel had been given a great advantage, the greatest advantage afforded to any people. They received the personal attention and redemption of Almighty God. That's amazing. That's amazing. They had been planting a good land. They had the Word of God. They had the prophets. Uh, they had uh, pastors and, uh, and the temple. And they had everything they needed for a, a spiritual bumper crop. But yet they remained fruitless. Listen, there's a, there's a message here for us this morning. 
When the Lord examines our lives, and He does examine our lives, what does He see? What does He see? Does He see you bearing fruit for the glory of God? Or does He see a tree that's gone to leaf and there is no fruit? There's no problem to have all kinds of religious activity. And to be, uh, you know, beyond the right path in the sense of religion, but there's no fruit. There's so, it's not religion, folks. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what it is. Let's face the facts this morning. We've been given every spiritual advantage that God could offer to us. We have His Word. Amen. We have it in our hands. We have a church. Amen. And we can gather together and we can be encouraged by the Word of God and by one another. Hey, we, we, we need to be looking and seeing that. And, and, and we have been blessed by His Spirit. We accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. We have been blessed in abundance. There is no excuse for us to have a fruitless branch. We have all the appearances of life. We used the Bible this morning. We read it when we started. We read it. We're using it as the Bible, as our uh, as our guide. And I'm preaching from it every Sunday. And I know other ministries. We use the Word of God. That's what we use. So we have the right appearance. We we sing the songs that lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And the preaching. We preach the message. And we preach that you need to walk in paths of righteousness. We preach that you need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And and when we come to church, we're looking good. We we give the appearance. Of it, and I think we leave a good testimony in our community. But are you producing fruit? You can fool me, no problem. I've been fooled many times, and I'll be fooled again. But you're not going to fool God. You're not going to fool Him. Are we in really in love with Jesus Christ? Is our heart set on the Lord? Are we, are we really in love with Him? Or are we, you know, we like the Lord? There's a difference, isn't it? If we really love somebody, you know what you do? You spend time with them, right? You want to commune with them. You want to get, you, you want that love to grow deeper. If you, if you kind of like the person, it's like, okay, well, I could take or leave him today or her today, whatever the case is. Whatever the situation is, they, you could take or leave it. But the idea is that if we love the Lord, we're going to desire to serve Him. Is Jesus Christ the centerpiece of your life? Is there a real commitment in your life to Jesus Christ? Or do we merely give Him lip service? Is Mississauga International Baptist Church all leaf? Do we have fruit that honors the Lord. Now, that's, we're talking about a church situation there, but it even goes a little step down, doesn't it? It goes into the individual life. Is Jesus the priority in your life? Is He first priority, His will first priority in your life? Is, is His worship and His work an afterthought to you? Or is it first thought? Do you have all the trappings of religion and salvation, uh, uh, or sorry, of religion and salvation, but with no real commitment to God? You know, do you pretend to worship while you hold things in your heart against another? That that that's just showing that you know 
you don't love Jesus if you're, I'll, I'll worship, but then I hate you over there. That's not right. Do you, do you plan your, your life around all the things that you want to do and, uh, and you don't really care? You'll see the need to put God in your life and see what God's plan is for you. Do you have real fruit in your life? Fruit is always the evidence of genuine salvation. When a person is saved by grace, they will bear fruit for His glory. On the vine, ye the branches, he that abide in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. <clears throat> the fruit on the vine is evidence of life within the branch, isn't it? That's, that's the evidence of it. I go out, I got tomato uh, plants springing up in my back there, backyard, and uh, I'll go look on the vine, and I see the little, the little flower, right? Soon going to be a tomato. If I go to that vine, I don't see any plant, any, any flower. I'll be like, ooh, what's going on with the, what's going on here? There's, some, there's no life. As the branch yields to the vine, and the vine le- le- lives through the branch, fruit happens. And what kind of fruit should we be producing? If we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior here this morning, if we made that choice, we made that decision for Jesus Christ, what should we be, what, what are we producing? Change life, amen? We're not the same way anymore. We're different. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I understand that there is a battle with the old man and the new man. I understand that. And I know you're going to make mistakes. But when you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, there's a change. There's a change. You know what? You're going to tell people about Jesus. Amen? And sometimes it's not even so much that you're always verbal, though we need to be verbal. People are going to see a difference in you and you're a witness. Amen? Yeah, I mean, there's no, no problem. And we need to give out tracts and tell people about Jesus Christ, invite them to church. But there's going to be times at your workplace when you're doing what's right, you're, you're doing the work the best you can, and you're not complaining, and you're going to have a good spirit about life, even though things at work are horrible. You're just going to serve Jesus. You're going to put a smile on your face, and people are going to say, what is with you? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you about Jesus. Yeah. You can do it. And that's part of the life when we accept Jesus Christ as Savior. That's the fruit. The evidence of an inward life. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, at the moment of salvation, you don't get all those things, okay? It's not like, okay, Lord, give me my things and I'm good to go. No, it's a process, right? It's, you know, sanctification where... Each day we're trying to do better for Jesus Christ. Each day we're in God's Word. But there needs to be evidence of these things in our lives. You can't say five years after you made a profession, I'm still working on love. No. That's not the way it works. No, no, we need to be working on it. Yeah, but you need to show love today, amen. I understand that maybe you're having a hard time being patient. Maybe your patience is only right here, right now. Well, that's fine. Maybe in a few months, in a year or so, maybe it'd be right here. We're growing, amen? Evidence of it. That we are changed. And not everyone bears the same amount of fruit. Because we're all different. Right? You're not all the same as me. My goodness, I hope you're not. Everyone here is uniquely different, amen? God did not make a mistake when He made you. Don't believe that philosophy of the world that if you don't like what you are, it's some mistake. No, God made you exactly the way you are. And you say, well, Pastor, I got this problem, I got this problem, I got this problem. Well, you got a problem-saving Savior. He will take care of that problem for you. Trust Him. 
And the reality is we need to be serving Him. And, and we, everyone's a little bit different. I know some people who have all kinds of amazing and wonderful abilities. I've met some pastors who can do all kinds of things. They can write books and they can prepare sermons and they go visit all, all of it. And I'm like, they tell me their schedule. I'm like, <gasps> how do you do all that? Uh, you know, type of thing. But everybody's wired differently. The reality is what God expects from us is to be faithful. Be faithful. Uh, I heard an analogy. Like I like cars, so you know, and I, you know, and I'm not a mechanic, but I, I like cars, and I heard the example this way, that some Christians are the eight-cylinder, some are six, some are four, and some are two. I was like, where is this guy going? This is definitely not in the Bible, but anyway, I'll keep listening. But the reality, what he's trying to point out is that we're all uniquely different. Hey, if I'm a two-cylinder and I get across the finisher's line at the same time as the eight-cylinder, there's a problem with the eight-cylinder car. She's not firing all cylinders, Right? The idea is that we just need to be faithful to what God has given us to do. And if you will say, well, pastor, I only have one talent. Well, you use it the best you can. And it's for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Not everyone bears the same amount of fruit. We just need to be as fruitful as possible. We need to be serving. But everyone who's saved bears some fruit. Are you? Are you? The reality is everyone bears fruit. In Matthew chapter 7, it talks about those who are in the right relationship with the Lord bear the right kind of fruit, and those who are lost do not bear the right kind of fruit. You know, when we're all leaf and no fruit, we're living in spiritual hypocrisy. We're hypocrites. Now, I've met people and say, I don't go to church anymore because there's hypocrites there. Well, you probably should stop going to work. Don't go to the grocery store no more. You probably don't want to need to go to, definitely don't want to go to the hospital. They're everywhere, folks. There's hypocrites everywhere. You just determine to do right. You just determine to do right. Just continue. You're going to do right and you're going to go forward for Jesus Christ. Remember, the Lord's looking in your life. What does He see? And the Lord makes a declaration in verse number 14. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter, forever. Because the tree, uh, we see the Lord's declaration here in verse 14, because the fruit tree was barren, when it promised fruit, the Lord pronounces a curse upon it. He declares that this fruitless tree will be fruitless forever. No one will eat from it. Now, some people read this and they reach the conclusion that Jesus was operating in a very rash anger here. Because the end of verse 13 says, for the time of the figs was not yet come. Leads them to conclude that Jesus was expecting something from this tree that the tree could not do. We already discussed about it, that there were leaves on the tree, that the, the tree should be producing all fruit already. It should have happened. Jesus was upset with this tree, and he did what he did because it was, it was, it was being deceitful. It wasn't giving what it said it, sh- it was, should be doing. The lack of the fruit was not the reason for the curse. It was the pretense of the leaves saying there is fruit when there was no fruit. Making promises it could not deliver. This is a picture again of Israel because the promise... You know, they, they, they had promised life, but only delivered bondage and a dead religion. They were cursed as well. And we see that they paid a high price. Rome was destroyed, uh, Jerusalem was destroyed by Rome in 70 AD. The population that survived was scattered around the world. 
Their nation ceased to exist for nearly 1,900 years. And I'll be honest. I, I get really get annoyed when I hear these these people. I got to be very careful with my words right now. These people who say that God's done with Israel. What other nation disappeared for 1,900 years and then reappeared? You want to talk about God's almighty hand? God's almighty hand, 1948, she came back into existence. Now, God still judged them, right? He did, and he still has a plan going forward. He has a plan, but they paid a high price for their deception or hypocrisy. And I remind you the same thing here today that we need to, we can, we can have all the appearance of life, for life, we have life, but we need to be producing fruit. Hey, people can walk far off and see Mississauga National Baptist Church and say, wow, it looks alive. Has all kinds of leaves. Hey, but when they examine, is there any fruit? We need to be making sure that we're producing fruit. And if, if we're hypocritical and we don't bear fruit as He desires, He might set us aside as well, you know. Paul, that was one of Paul's fears in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, but I keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. This is also a promise of the husband and to the branches in the vineyard. In John 15, 2, it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Hey, we better not be flaunting ourselves and saying how great we are and not producing fruit for Jesus Christ. Because if we do that, you better expect that the Lord will judge. The Lord will judge. He won't hold back His hand. You know, uh, the verse needs a little examination here. When the Lord says the fruitless branch, He taketh it away. Uh, in, in John 15.2, this doesn't mean He cuts the branch out of the vine. What He does, He begins to work on that branch to make it fruitful. Aren't you so glad that even when we make mistakes and we don't get it right, God's still working with us? i got to be honest, sometimes it's very uh, uh, convicting to me because sometimes I'm trying to help somebody and they don't get it. And I'm like, you can't get this. What's your problem? No, I don't actually do. I'm probably smiling. Oh, yes, yes, that's good. And I know how many times I mess up. And my Lord's there each time helping me get back right. He doesn't mean he cuts it out of the branch. No, it means he's working with us to be more fruitful. The idea it means he lifts it up. He trains it to grow like it's intended to grow. I love it that every branch receives that attention. Every one of you here are special, Jesus Christ. Amen. And he's going to give you the attention that you need to help you grow. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's an amazing Savior. And when the Lord finds that branch that will not yield to his efforts to train and make more fruitful, then he does the experiences, that vine experience, the, the vine dressers deep, and it's a more painful level. If a man abide not in me, John fifteen six, he's cast forth a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them in the fire, and they are burned. This doesn't mean that the branch is cut out of the vine. It does mean that it's trimmed back. It's trimmed back. All this reminds us to know that, that the Lord has expectation for us and His expectation is for us to be fruitful for Him. When we're not fruitful, we can 
we we expect, we better expect, we better understand that there's going to be a, we're going to get some personal attention by the vine dresser in our lives, and he's going to come along, he's going to teach, and he's going to uh, train us, he's going to chastise us to become more fruitful for his glory. Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and hasten, be zealous, therefore, and repent. The Lord also works on the, the fruitful branch. So you're sitting here today and say, well, pastor, I'm, I know I see the Lord working my life and I'm being fruitful for him. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord and give him the honor and glory for it. But he doesn't want you just to be fruitful. He wants you to bear m- more fruit in John 15, 2. And then in John 15, 5, it says he wants you to, pre- to produce much fruit. So it's just not to be fruitful. He wants you to produce more and then much more. So you don't get satisfied. That's what the Lord's telling us. Don't get satisfied that you produce a little or some. Be, be, be prepared to do more. Be prepared to do more. Let's serve Him. The Lord's looking for fruit. And He finds it in lives. He'll bless us and cause us to be even more fruitful. But if He does not find fruit in our lives, He'll take steps necessary to make us fruitful. Where are you? Are you being fruitful? Or is the Lord ready to step in and make some changes? The Lord demonstration in verses 20 and 21, when they come back the next morning, uh, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. We see the Lord's demonstration. The, the disciples, without doubt, heard what Jesus said in verse 14, because it tells us, and His disciples heard it. But the next day, as they're passing by, they probably never thought nothing else of it that day. The next morning, they go by, and it's dried up from the roots. That would catch your attention. One day, I'm walking to work. I see a beautiful big fig tree. It's all kinds of leaves. It looks great. The next day I walk by and it's dried up. That will catch your attention. That doesn't happen that way. These men could see the Lord had worked His power on this. And this was a miracle uh, in the sense that this just doesn't happen. This is from God's Word that this happened. It demonstrates the Lord's sovereignty over all things, including nature. Usually when a tree dries up, it does it from the top down, not from the bottom up. I I lived in Deer Lake, Newfoundland for a number of years, and there's a lot of wood harvesters there. That's the new term for lumberjack, okay? okay. I used to, used to call them lumberjack. Well, no, no, Pastor, we're wood harvesters. Okay, lumberjack. <laughs> and so we, I go out and help them once in a while, and uh, and they would tell me that tree is dying, Pastor. You can see. See that up there? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm looking at, but yes, I see that. And they're like, well, that's because this is happening. The roots, you know, they would cut down the trees that were dying first and then cut them and, you know, use them for wood and things. They could see by looking up in this situation, they could see it from the bottom up. It's a total destruction, total ruin. And again, this is a picture of Israel that they're being judged by the Lord for the rejection of Messiah and they were being destroyed. And John, the message of John the Baptist of Israel, now also the axe is laid unto the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Israel had not always been that way, you know. There had been a time when the nation of Israel was extremely fruitful and extremely honoring to the Lord. But at this stage, and long before this stage, they had rejected and now their fate is sealed. I just want to remind everyone in this room this morning today, the same God who can take a lost sinner and save his soul and bless his life is the same God who will judge you. Yeah. 
He judges. You know, I understand as Christians, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be judged for all our sins because they're under the blood. Amen? But our works will be. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He's going to judge you. It's going to happen. I, I hear people say it all the time, you know. You can't judge me. You know, uh, don't judge me like that. And I know sometimes we do it in jest, you know, when I'm drinking two Pepsis and my kids look at me like, don't judge me. Okay. I know sometimes we do it, but folks, I'm not worried about your judgment. And neither should you be worried about other people's judgment. You should be more concerned about what God thinks and what God will do. I'm not going to get caught up because you know what? Every group I'm going to get with, they're going to judge me a different way. You know, I'm right here with this church today and most of you like me. That's great. Wonderful. I'll go to the grocery store and most people don't even know who I am, so I'll be judged differently there, won't I? But the reality is it doesn't matter because I'm in Jesus Christ and I'm supposed to be more concerned about what He wants than what people want. We need to get out of this mindset is what does this one want and what does this one want what does... no what does Jesus want serve him and see what he will do we need to be way more concerned about what God knows and what God thinks and what God tells us to do if we were going to honor him we need to obey him and serve him and he will bless us in wonderful ways I've seen it time and time again now if you think well I'm going to I'm going to serve the Lord so I can get a car. Well, that's the wrong reason. You know, and sadly, there's so many preachers, not preachers, the false teachers are out there saying that kind of stuff. Oh, if you give me ten, I'll give you a hundred, or Lord, I'll give you a no. They won't give you anything. They'll take, and they'll say, God will give you a hundred. Hey, listen, God's going to bless us in so many more ways than a hundred dollar bill. He'll take care of us in amazing ways. Now, if we refuse to honor Him and obey Him and serve Him, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you're in that position, my friend, chastisement will come. It will come. And I'm not trying to be a hard old preacher here. No! you got to understand that if you refuse to obey God and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is going to bring you back into line. He's going to do that because He loves you. Just like my own children. I don't let them run around like monkeys all the time. Some people are like, oh, yes, you do. But at any rate, I don't. You know, I don't let them do certain things because it's wrong. And if they do disobey and they don't do what's right, there's consequences. And if I didn't give them those consequences, you'd be like, Pastor, I think you need to go to parenting class. Hey, folks. If you're a Christian and you know Jesus Christ is Savior and you're not obeying God and you're not serving Him and you're not doing what you know He's told you to do, you better expect the chastisement to come. Let me encourage you to get up in front of that. I encourage you to get it right. Don't don't wait for the whip. Get out there and, hey, Lord, help me. I'm done wrong. Help me get where I need to be. The same Lord who can fill us can also leave us dry and empty, you know, because we don't want to serve Him. Oh, I can't tell you how many Christians I've met 
who are away from God, and they're the sourest, nastiest bunch of people I've ever met. Yeah, but, you know, four or five months before, they were doing what's right, and they were happy. But they made choices in their life, and they got away from God. God's not going to leave you happy turning away from Him. He has the power to bless us. He has the power uh, to do so many things. Let's make sure that we're plugged in. Let's make sure we're producing fruit. Disciples saw what happened that day, and I'm pretty sure it, it stuck with them. You know, they understood that God was in control. They didn't understand everything was happening, yet there's so many things they still had to learn. Folks, this morning, you can't produce fruit if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the first step. You need to be in the branch, amen? You, You need to be in the vine. You need to be in Jesus. I encourage you to make that decision, to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And maybe you could say, well, Pastor Alcock, I've made that choice, so I've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. That's great. Amen. You're on the way to heaven. Are you producing fruit? Are you producing fruit? The Lord's looking down. He examines your life. He sees you in the vine. What are you doing? Are you producing? Are you like, eh, I'm just leafing. I don't, I'm not doing anything. I have, I have the resemblance of religion. But I'm not producing anything for Jesus. Oh, I would encourage you to produce. Be faithful. Don't be like the fruitless fig tree. Be a Christian who's producing fruit for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Dear Jesus, thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray you help us this morning. Help any that doesn't know you here this morning as their personal Lord and Savior to make that most important decision. That's a decision that changes their life forever. And this life and the one to come. And Lord, I pray you be with us as believers. We've made that choice. We know that we've accepted you as Savior. Lord, we can get off track. Lord, help us just not to have the appearance of life, but Lord, help us to have a vibrant, fruit-producing life for You. Oh, I pray You move in our hearts, Lord. Help us to be that for You. In Jesus' name, Amen.